The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What's up, Buffalo Fanatics? Josh Allen here. Just wanted to say, uh, go Bills. Oh, baby! <laughs> what is up? Buffalo Fanatics, C-Bot here with you. Victory Monday night. Live on the Buffalo Fanatics YouTube channel. It can only mean one thing. It is the smoke break. So good to have you in, fresh off a week 14-W. Four consecutive wins for the Buffalo Bills back home on Sunday for a rematch against the New York Jets. It was ugly outside, it was ugly on the field, but it's a W nonetheless. The Bills improved to 10-3 and on the year, their fourth consecutive double-digit victory season. It's a good time to be a Bills fan. Might not have felt all that great about the W yesterday, but the way things are shaping up in this league right now, you take them any way you can get them. 20-12, to 12, your final from Orchard Park yesterday. Bills get it done in the rematch against those New York Jets. And you have to wonder how the New York Jets fans are feeling today. They were a year ahead of schedule, you would think, right? You would ask any Jets fan right now, I'm sure, and we're about to in a second, but you would ask any Jets fan, how they feel about this season, I think the majority of them would tell you that they did not think the Jets would get off to the start that they did this season. They did not think that at this point in the season, the Jets would still be clinging on to a playoff spot, yet they are. But those chances of getting into the postseason for these New York Jets are dwindling by the week. They've been hanging in there. They've been close. They've been losing a couple of one-score games, and you blink, and all of a sudden, the whole playoff picture could be turned on its head very soon here. The Jets could soon be out. The Patriots could soon be in, and we'll get into those Miami Dolphins, too, as well throughout the show here. They're very close to being out as well. Oh, I thought they were the best team in the AFC for a while, so we were told, but I think we found out last night that that is certainly not the case. Let's jump right into this one, though. Bills-Jets, 20-12, to 12, your final yesterday out in Orchard Park. And I had mentioned to you that we got to get the perspective of a Jets fan today because, listen, that game, it could have gone either way. It was, it was hard fought. The weather was brutal. A defensive battle. The offenses on both sides just could not seem to get anything going. But ultimately, it just seemed like the Josh Allen difference, right? The difference between Josh Allen and Mike White. That wound up being the marginal difference in this game that wound up getting it done but let's talk from the Jets perspective and with that I bring in my main man Richie from New York Jets media Richie welcome to the smoke break I'm sorry it's under these circumstances but I said to you when I had you or when I was on the AFC roundtable uh what was it three months ago now it feels like it was yesterday I don't know how <laughs> long ago it was but I said to you I gotta get you on uh before or after a Jets game I didn't get you on the last time when you could have gloated 
I know you, you invited me on for that too, but unfortunately I wasn't able to come on. So it kind of stinks that I'm on here after you guys beat us instead of the other way around. But of course, man, it's a pleasure to be on here. What's good, Bills Mafia? Hope you guys are having a fantastic victory Monday. And yeah. I'm excited to break it all down with you, my man. Thanks for having me on. So like I said, Richie, New York Jets Media, he's co-host of the AFC East Roundtable. I'm sure many of you guys in here are familiar with that. It's Richie, it's TD, it's Master at Work, it's my main man, Dan Mitchell. Those guys do a terrific job over there. If you're not aware of their show, which I'm sure you all are, but the off chance you're not, make sure to check them out each week. They do a great job. All right, Richie, let's dive into it. First of all, look, at I know the Bills got it done yesterday. It feels good to get the victory. I'll never complain with double digits, no matter what the case is. Uh, we sit 10-3 and three today, and that, of course, comes from the victory over you guys yesterday. But it was ugly, 0-0, zero to zero, all the way until about 30 seconds before the half. You guys, and we were talking a little bit off air about this, but I want to get your thoughts more on the situation surrounding the Jets. I had felt last week, you guys played the Minnesota Vikings, a team that, you know, we and the Bills here had lost in dramatic fashion to. We had lost an absolute heartbreaker to them. Jets fans could say the same. It just felt like the Jets were the better team on the field last week against Minnesota. Couldn't score in the end zone. They bring that loss into Buffalo and once again, a one score game where they could not seem to find the end zone again. What was your confidence level going into the game yesterday after that Vikings loss, and how much has it changed up until now after the result from yesterday's game? Yeah, so I actually had a lot of confidence heading into this game against the Bills simply because, you know, we beat you guys once, so it kind of gave me confidence. Like, okay, we can actually compete with the Buffalo Bills, who are definitely the better team than us. We're trying to become that Bills team in the future where we're, you know, winning the division year in and year out. And also the Jets, when now it's not the case anymore, but we've never lost back-to-back games this season. And mm. now it's done. So all season long, whenever we lost, we responded with the win. So I felt like this was going to be a good opportunity. And, you know, that stems to Robert Sala as the head coach for this team. They really have a sense of a, a new identity and a new mindset where when they lose it really they take it personal and they know that they're better than that so I really felt like I didn't think it was going to be an easy task I knew it was going to be in Buffalo the elements was going to be a factor the Buffalo Bills are way even though you guys did not have Von Miller I know you guys had Milano back and Trey White back and Poirier back who was not out there in week number nine uh, so I knew it was not going to be easy and the key to beating you guys yesterday for my perspective was going to be the defense uh, getting turnovers and unfortunately I think the defense played very well against you guys but we ne- were not able able to force any turnovers like we did in week number nine, which is pretty much a difference of the game. And we also had just self-inflicting wounds. There's three plays in that game that just lost the Jets the game. And that's Joe Flacco fumble, the uh, CJ Mosley penalty, and the Michael Carter fumble. Those three plays were the reasons why the Jets lost. And if you're going up against a team like the Buffalo Bills, who are the better team and just an overall great squad on the road, you cannot have those type of plays, especially three of them pile up. You have to play a perfect game, and the Jets were not able to do that. You know, it's a very good point. It's one that I was thinking of myself, just kind of reminiscing on the game throughout the day today. It's interesting that when you look at both games this year, the team that got to 20 points won both matchups, which is wild. In this day and age, 20 points almost never gets it done. Yet in this matchup this season, both games, all it took was the, you know, either team to get to 20 to wind up getting it done. The Bills in week nine could not stop shooting themselves in the foot, and it killed the Bills all the way up till the end where they turned it over on the final drive. Like you had just mentioned, a few hand, a handful of Jets errors yesterday really wound up flipping the game. The one that really stands out to me the most, and it's one I'm going to talk about throughout this show tonight, because to me, this was the game. It's C.J. Mosley jumping 
offsides on a play that the Bills, and I'm not sure if you're familiar with this, but the Bills try and do that all the time, and it never works. The only guy throughout the league that I can imagine throughout my fanhood here that I've always seen it work with is like Aaron Rodgers. But for the Bills, it never seems to work. I think Dawson Knox getting under center really fooled the Jets' D. It seemed like everybody, including C.J. Mosley, jumped off sides. Walk me through where you were in that moment because the Bills are going to punt. The Jets get the ball back. At the very worst, you're thinking you go into half tied nil-nil, yet the Bills go down the field there, get the touchdown, and that really changed the complexion of the game. So C.J. Mosley jumps off. Walk me through the moment for you as you watch that. Yeah, I mean, if you guys want to see my live reaction, I edited an entire compilation of my reaction live throughout the entire game. I go live through the game, and then I come uh, edit it up. So you can see what my thoughts were live there. But overall, man, I was just frustrated because I know C.J. Mosley's better than that. I mean, he's the captain of this defense. He is playing like, you know, in his prime. I mean, he's playing like a 23-year-old, the way that his body's moving out there. And his mind's just, you know, he, he just felt like the Miami Dolphins did the same exact thing to us back in week number five. Uh, where their tight end, Mike Gisecki, went under center and the quarterback pretended that he was audibling. So they saw mm-hmm. that before the Jets. So they saw that. And I guess CJ's like, oh my God, we saw this before. They're doing the same exact thing. I'm about to become Troy Palomalu and just right. jump over the line of scrimmage. But that did not work. And in the moment, man, I was really, really infuriated because that was the biggest swing. All of a sudden, the Bills get all the momentum. They score quickly. It's 7 nothing, And it should have been 0-0 at half with the Jets getting the ball to start off uh, the third quarter. And we saw that the Jets made the proper adjustments offensively because we went right down and scored the the only touchdown of the game in that third quarter. And it really just begs to – it makes me wonder what this game would have been like if CJ did not make that penalty and you guys pumped us the ball. And obviously I don't, I don't expect the offense to go down the field and score based on what was happening that first half. You needed the adjustments in the, at halftime in order to, you know, for the Jets to go out there and score some points. So it's really frustrating, man. Those are the type of things that you cannot afford to happen against a team like the Buffalo bills. And I feel like um, it, it's been, it's been the case for the past couple of games and it's got to get cleaned up, especially when it, when it comes to making a playoff push. And I know CJ Mosley's better than that. And, um, you know, I will say this, though, about that play. Dawson Knox, he was like he was moving a lot around before he called the snap. He was like saying, ah, and then like I feel like that really got to CJ a little bit. um, And unfortunately, did not go the Jets way. Well, the thing that was nuts about that play and the reason I think it worked is because even for me, I've never seen a team do that where you go to the extent of bringing in an additional guy like Knox, who is so. It would be such an unconventional play call to put him under center. It just kind of throws everything off. And I, as I'm watching it, because as I'm watching Allen under center, I'm thinking, oh, you know, because McDermott does this all the time. And it's just like, dude, just punt it or go for it. You know, make up your mind. Next thing you know, Knox runs in and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. No way that worked. And you just kind of knew in that moment. And this is the way it always goes. And this would happen against the Bills, too. Had the Jets had run that play successfully, you knew they were going to score. When stuff like that happens, no points are going to come from it. So that, to me, it flipped the game. And like you said, it'd be very interesting to go back. And if that doesn't happen, what winds up being the outcome? The Jets get the ball first in the second half to go all the way down the field. They score. So, hey, things could have been a lot different. Um, Yeah. And the injuries throughout the game as well, kind yes. of uh, both offensively and defensively. We we missed our – I mean, that offense, when we were trying to come back, Corey Davis not being out there. You know, Garrett Wilson's our best receiver, but Corey Davis is that clutch, clutch player. If you watch that Minnesota Vikings game, you know what we're talking about. I mean, he's that go-to guy on third down and fourth down even. Him not being there is huge. And then the pass rush just disappeared after Quinton Williams goes down, who was yeah. our best player on the team, who's arguably playing like the best interior defensive tackle in the entire league. I mean, he had two sacks. 
in the first uh, quarter and a half, and then yep. his injury messed up. So, you know, that's not an excuse. We need to be able to have that next minute mentality, but the reality is the pass rush just fell apart after Quinnen went down, and it was devastating. Yeah, that's a great point. He's got two sacks in the first quarter. The, the Jets only go on to get three. I mean, they were all over Allen. They still were throughout the game, but losing Quinnen Williams really seemed to be an ultimate difference maker for the Jets, team. But, man, you guys still – all game did not make it easy for Buffalo. Like we said earlier, only 20 points. And those were a hard fought 20 points. When I was on the AFC East round table with you all, not, you know, not too long ago and the jets were on a, on a roll. And, and I could tell, you know, just from your perspective and listening to you talk, you were as shocked as anybody. And I think that probably goes throughout all of jets fans at that point. What were you guys, maybe five and two, four and two, something like that. And I had said to you, no matter what happens throughout the rest of the year here, as a Jets fan, man, you have got to be excited about the future. The draft you guys had, the defense, what Sal has been able to accomplish. But at that point, it was probably a bit easier to swallow that because you guys were on a roll. Now you're kind of hitting a bit of a roadblock here, and the, ro- the road to the playoffs, it's not looking pretty. Yeah. As you sit here right now, what's your overall sentiment on this Jets team and your confidence moving forward heading into week 15 against the team in Detroit, who I don't know if anybody in the league's playing better than them right now? Yeah, the Detroit Lions are not the Detroit Lions that we've grown accustomed to. They've, they're red hot. They've won, what, five of the last six games. Yep. But listen, man, the reality is I got a lot of faith in this team. And the one thing that I love about them is that they've proved that they can compete with anybody. Um, they beat the Buffalo Bills once. We lose to you guys yesterday, which is a hard-fought hard fought game. We went toe-to-toe the Minnesota Vikings, who I think are you know not as good as advertised, but we should have won that game. And it, it just feels like... You know, I got confidence in Robert Sala's ability to get these guys, you know, um, together. And I also feel like Mike White. I mean, it's kind of crazy when you look at this Jets team from an outside looking in. We've had three different quarterbacks. We had Joe Flacco start in the first three games. We have Zach Wilson come out there, not play good football, still winning with him. But they said, you know what, Zach Wilson, you're not taking accountability. You know, this team's not rallying behind you. We're going to give Mike White his opportunity. And Mike White, I mean, he's really looking like a quarterback that is winning over this organization, winning over the fan base. Uh, Hasn't translated to wins yet, but I feel like Mike White has a really big opportunity here to prove to be the guy for the future um, because this is his time, and he's an unrestricted free agent in the offseason. So if he wants to get paid by the Jets or another team, now is his opportunity. And I feel like he's fully taking advantage of that. Uh, but when it comes to, you know, the Jets future and the Jets just this season today, if you look at this Lions game, the way that I'm, I'm looking at it as a Jets fan perspective, you got to treat these next couple of games as playoffs. We are in the playoffs yeah. right now. Every single game is an elimination game because if we run the table, we're, we're in the playoffs and, it's not an easy task to do. We went on a four-game winning streak before. Why can't we do it again? And I think the the next four opponents, the Lions, Jaguars on Thursday Night Football, the Seahawks, and the Dolphins, I think you can argue the Jets can win all four, and they can lose all four. They're both they're all toss-ups. They're, it's not like the Jets are going to be favored to win every single one of them, and it's not going to be an easy task. The Jaguars are playing better football. They just blew out the Titans. So it's going to be a hard little task here, but this defense has proven to me that we can be in an every single game. And I looked at the Detroit Lions schedule, just talking about that matchup real quick. Um, their offense is exploding, but they've also not went up against any defense besides the Buffalo Bills that you guys beat them. That's good. So I like the way we match up against the Lions because our defense, I don't think they've ever versed against. And every time the Lions go up against a top-tier defense, they're 0-4. 
So this is going to be their first time versing a top-tier defense in a long time um, this season, and uh, hopefully the Jets can uh, humble them a little bit and uh, get that dub. But when it comes to the future of this team in, in like, long run with the rookies that we're drafting, I mean, I mean, bro, we might have the two offensive and defensive rookies of the year on our team, yeah. Sauce Gardner and Garrett Wilson. We're hitting on our draft picks, and the quarterback issue is definitely going to be something to talk about in the offseason. But I'm very proud – of what this Jets team has accomplished. We are a year ahead of schedule. And I keep trying to remind Jets fans where we're at right now and where our expectations were in August. I know that expectations change throughout the season. You want to get the playoffs and I want to get to the playoffs more than anybody else. But I'd be lying to you if I, if you told me in August that the Jets are seven and six after you know splitting with the Bills and having a chance for the playoffs. This is exactly what we want, playing meaningful games in December. And I'm excited to see how they can respond. I know you got to get out of here because you're a big Cardinals fan tonight. And as I'm watching, oh, I'm not time. sure, but I'm pretty I'm I'm watching Kyler Murray just go down with an injury. Um Are you on serious? the third play of the game, there's there's trainers out on the field. I don't know what's going on, but I think for oh everybody in the AFC's sake who's rooting against the Patriots tonight, that's not oh wow. Yeah, they're out there looking at him. Doesn't look good, my God. Uh well, I'll before I let you go <laughs> and we'll figure that out when when we get more info but um before i let you go i'm glad you brought up mike white because man that is one tough sob that guy you want to talk i mean that guy must have been a cat in his past life nine lives i could not believe he continued to come <laughs> back in the game after some of the shots he took you you mentioned it perfectly though garrett wilson he was chopping us up all day yesterday on third and long. He's a terrific receiver. Elijah Moore, of course, you know, Brees Hall is out. When you guys get him back next year, the way he was playing, he would have won rookie of the year at that clip. But like you said, Garrett Wilson could very well do the same. And then, of course, Sauce Gardner, that defense in totality. That defense can stop anybody. And like you said, against Detroit, that's going to give you a chance no matter what. But, of course, everybody, when they look at the Jets, they immediately think the quarterback position. And as you touched on, three starters throughout the year this year. Mike White, I haven't had a chance to talk to you about the situation with Zach Wilson and then Mike White. So before I let you go here, when you look at Mike White and then you look at the future of this team and you try to put the pieces together, is that a guy that you can see this organization moving forward with? Do you want Zach Wilson back or do you want the Jets to go and look elsewhere going into next season, knowing you might have the team to really, you know, go go somewhere to the distance here if they can get that quarterback position locked down? I really am a huge fan of Mike White. Even last year, I was at that Mike White game against the Cincinnati Bengals, and we were all, and going into that game, that was his first career start, and I remember at the tailgate, we're all like, oh, Mike White's playing, like expecting to lose against the Bengals, right. like having a loser mentality, like, all right, here we go, guys, Mike White, here, yeah. let's have a fun day, and then we're leaving the stadium, like, Mike White, Mike White, like, what? who is this guy? And then after that game, man, and then you talk about this season, the whole quarterback controversy, Mike White just has a feeling to him, man, not only is his toughness and his play style, but this team plays for him. You can tell that this locker room really envies Mike White, and he just has a natural leadership ability that I really gravitate towards, and I feel like he embodies what it means to be a New York Jets quarterback in today's league, just being able to take the hits, standing tall in the pocket, because if you want to compare him to Zach Wilson in terms of game play, uh, play style, Zach Wilson does not stand tall in the pocket and let it rip, because if you remember that first hit that Mike White uh, took to, from, I think, Ed Oliver, I believe, before mm – -hmm. He got out of the game completely. He lasered that ball to Elijah Moore for like a 20-plus yard completion after getting destroyed by Ed Oliver. And then he gets down and injured. Joe Flacco comes in. Flacco does nothing. Mike White subs back in on third and 10, completes on third and 10 for the first down. Like those are the sequences that to me it's like, wow, 
Mike White has some special tangibles here that can really make this team special for the future if they can protect him because the reality is the offensive line was not protecting him and the Buffalo Bills defensive front was after him all game long, which is a big reason why you guys beat us. But Mike White, I've been very impressed with him. His clutch ability against the Minnesota Vikings was very awesome to see. And he just has a, a feel to him that he also is able to process things quickly in his mind, something that Zach Wilson struggles with, which is why he's on the bench right now. He looks at his first, second, third read like it's nothing, where Zach Wilson just force feeds the ball to the number one guy, and it's a detriment to the offense. you got to be able to spread the ball around. There's a lot of weapons on this offense. And what Mike White brings to this Jets offense is it reminds us Jets fans, like, holy crap, we actually have a lot of good players in this offense that needs the ball. We have Garrett Wilson. We have Zonovan Bam Knight, who's an unrestricted free agent that we got at a uh, well, yes, draft. Man. Exactly. And we got Elijah Moore. We have, we have all these players that was not yeah. getting the ball with Zach Wilson. So to answer your question, man, it's going to be a big, long offseason about this quarterback controversy with Jets fans. And I'm all in on Mike White, but I also am not going to rule out Zach Wilson just yet. I've been I've been defending him throughout his struggles. But the reality is he's mess, he's missing the easy stuff. And that's what concerns me because it does not matter how physically talented you are as a quarterback, you got to be able to process things mentally. You got to have the proper footwork, the, the mechanics, and you have to be able to scan the field. And that's what Zach Wilson struggles with. He has a gifted arm. He has the arm to stretch the, full, the field down, you know, make those crazy off-platform throws. But if you cannot have the mentality to be a leader, if you're not able to process the defense and you can't, you know, make the right reads and have the timing anticipation, that talent doesn't matter. It's all about the mind. And I feel like Mike White is years ahead of Zach Wilson in terms of that. And it's pretty crazy because Mike White, he's 27 years old, but he's pretty young in terms of his NFL experience. He just played his, what, fifth career game. So yeah. I'm all in on Mike White. If he's the franchise quarterback, sign me up. Um, but there's also another conversation to have about maybe there's another quarterback in free agency or something that they'll bring in, like a Jimmy G or right. or I don't know who else, Derek Carr or Lamar Jackson. I don't even want to talk about that right now. That's a whole other <laughs> hypothetical. But yeah. all in all, man, it's unfortunate that we're talking about a quarterback controversy with the Jets because I'm just so sick of it. I just want a franchise quarterback already, my man. But if yeah. it's Mike White, sign me the hell up because he has definitely proven to be a guy that I think this Jets team can win for, win with for a long time. Hey, we Bills fans know all too well that feeling. And for your sake, not for the Bills' sake, but for your sake, I hope eventually <laughs> that comes around. Hey, we're all rooting for the Cardinals tonight with you. Kyler Murray, though, carded off. Uh, wow. My God, that that sucks to see. You just hate to see that in any capacity. But for your sake, for the state of the AFC East and just for the Patriots not making the playoffs, because not only do we not want them in there, nobody wants to watch New England in the playoffs. That is unwatchable football. We're rooting for the Cardinals with you tonight. Who's their backup again? Uh, is it Colt McCoy? Is it Colt McCoy? He's going to beat them, I believe. Come on, You know Colt. what? Hey, listen. We've seen this league, man. We've seen crazier things. Geno Smith, what is he, second overall in passer rating this year? I mean, this league. You know what I mean? Sam Darnold beat him, too. How about that? Sam Darnold <laughs> looked damn good yesterday. I, I don't know what, dude. <laughs> like guy. I said, week to week, man, you got me fooled. Uh, Richie, you're a hell of a sport. Thanks for coming on. And uh, good luck against Detroit next week. It should be a good one. Thank and you. Uh, like you said, a tougher task for Detroit than they've had recently. So it'll be interesting to see them against. And I'll be rooting defense. for Buffalo on Saturday night because with the Dolphins L and the Jets win, we are ahead of them. So let's go. Hold on it. Well, hey, get your Josh <laughs> Allen jersey from the uh, dry cleaners and make sure to wear it with pride. All right, brother. Thanks for right, stopping guys. by. Bills Mafia, I appreciate all the support that you guys have in my channel. You guys really show a lot of love to Jets media a lot, and it means a lot to me. Good luck, Zbot. You host a great show. And I'll catch you next time, my man. Thanks for having Much me on. Much love, Richie. We'll talk soon, my man. Richie from New York Jets Media, great dude. And uh, if, like I said off the top, if you don't already follow the AFC East Roundtable, definitely do so. Those guys are a freaking riot. I was on there. I don't even know, man. 
I can't keep track of the days anymore. Christmas, less than two weeks away. Are you shitting me? I have no clue. But when I was on there, man, I haven't laughed that hard in forever. Master at work, ultimate troll. TD is the biggest Tua hater I've ever seen. And he's a Dolphins fan. So that's must-see television every week. Uh, and then Dan Mitchell. He's, he's the man. He's the man. Big Bills fan. Great content creator. So you can't beat it. Um, wow. Okay. Kyler Murray carded off. And listen. I was going to bet on the Cardinals tonight because I just did not see in any world that the Patriots deserve to be two and a half point favorites against anybody after what they did to the bills last week. Um, but thank God I didn't touch that. Thank Christ. Kyler Murray down. And uh, if I hear anything else, or if you guys hear anything else, make sure to let me know in the comments here. Cause I, I hate seeing QBs go down, man. It's just, it's no fun. Uh, quick super chat before we get into the meat of the show here. White Towns King coming in with a quick super chat. He's saying Joe Flacco looked like he didn't expect to play at all yesterday. He was the happiest Mike White returned for the game. Yeah, you know what, Why You're not kidding, man. Flacco's got it made. Listen, that's a guy who was carried by one of the greatest defenses in NFL history to a Super Bowl championship that propelled him into a contract extension that looking back on it was just, you know, there was a point in time where Joe Flacco was the highest paid quarterback in this league. Okay. That man, there's nobody on earth who did their career more. I don't even know the word. There's not, there's no way to describe it. There's nobody who gamed the system better in any industry than Joe Flacco. I have nothing but love for Joe Flacco, man, like that dude, when it comes to just getting his and going off into the sunset, the way he is now third string, still cashing a check, you know, come in and fumble the ball away to the bills before Mike white gets back. Hey, I'll take that. I, I can't say a bad thing about Joe Flacco. I freaking love him. Um, but you're right. You're right. You look at Joe Flacco on the sideline yesterday. If you're Robert Sala, you say, get in. He's got to be like, come on, man, come on. I'm just here to, I'm just here to cash a check, and, and, and that's about it. But the funny thing is with Joe Flacco, the fact that he's still in this league just goes to show you how much that guy really loves football. That's always, that's always cool to see, you know? I mean, whether, whether or not they're viable to play anymore is one thing, but the love for the game, you can't question it. Um, all right. Hey, once again, shout out to uh, Richie over at New York Jets Media for stopping by. Wanted to get a quick perspective on the, the Jets situation, because, hey, look, we've been in that situation where you're either a quarterback away. I mean, you remember when we broke the drought um, and the situation we had going on. It was Tyrod Taylor and a whole lot of nothing on offense with, you know, a Sean McDermott led defense that was really carrying this Bills team. And we just know what that's like. Right. And uh, the Jets were definitely ahead of schedule this year. I don't think anybody would have anticipated going into week 15, that they would hold a playoff spot. I don't know if anybody would have anticipated that they would have held a playoff spot at any point at all this season. So to, to you know, listen to their perspective is interesting because their team is damn good when it, when it plays up to its potential. They've been riddled with injuries, and they can't get the quarterback situation locked down. Like, like Richie said, three quarterbacks have started throughout the season this year. They're on to Mike White now. And look at Mike White. Could he turn into Tom Brady? Maybe. It's never a good situation when you have no clue at the end of the year who your starting quarterback is going into the future. We, we know that all too well. This defense, though, they're no joke. They gave the Bills everything they could handle yesterday. And that ultimately is why that game ended with the score that it did, 20-12. to 12. Two of the best defenses in the AFC, really in the whole league, went at it yesterday. The elements certainly didn't help when it came to putting points on the board. 
But like I said at the top of the show, it was the Josh Allen difference I felt when it came to this game. Because both defenses are elite. Both defenses showed up and they balled out. But Josh Allen over Mike White is going to be a touchdown difference every single time. And that's exactly what the difference in that game wound up being yesterday. Um, As you can see, just to get this out of the way, a little bit of a different setup here tonight. Not at my usual studio. And that's because I'm out of there. Like I told you a couple of weeks ago, I'm moving the first week of January. So this is my makeshift spot back at the parents' house until I move down to uh, Stanford, Connecticut, the first week of January. So this is the setup you'll be seeing for the next couple of weeks. Got my Funkos back there. Got my limited edition Bill's wine, my Josh's Jacks. I got a little bit of everything back here. But listen, this is just makeshift for now. I got something special in store for all of us, myself, and all those who tune in every week. At the new place, the studio is going to be killer. I also have a new partnership that I'm excited to be announcing very soon here. That's going to help me really pimp the hell out uh, of the new studio. And uh, I'm going to be doing some giveaways with them and a lot of cool stuff. Super stoked about that. Not sharing anything quite yet just because I don't have a whole lot of info to pass along. But this is the most excited I've been about a partnership for anything ever. I love this brand, this company. And I know you guys are going to, too. So that's another little bit of news that's coming down the pipeline in the near future. And it kind of coincides with the new studio because they're really adding an unbelievable piece to the puzzle of this new studio that you guys aren't going to believe. And not to give anything away, but that piece of the puzzle is something that I am going to be giving away to one of you lucky people at some point within the early calendar of next year. All right. All that stuff out of the way. Bills, Jets, yesterday. 10 and, 10 and 3, baby. 10 and 3. Four consecutive years where the Bills have double-digit victories. You know, it's amazing. It's amazing how much you might take for granted at time. It's amazing how quickly things go. It doesn't feel like it's been four years of that type of success. Sometimes it feels longer. Sometimes it feels shorter. It's very odd, this period here. It's tough to define. It just sometimes it really does feel one way or the other. But that's the reality of the situation here. It's been four years now where the Bills have been up towards the top of the um, of the league, of the top of the AFC, and, of course, no more than they have been this season. And they got some help last night with a loss from the Miami Dolphins. We're going to get into depth about that game against the Chargers before we preview uh, the game against the, the Miami Dolphins this coming Saturday. That is the game that we have had circled since the Bills lost to the Dolphins in what was it, week three, early on in the season. We have circled this game for months now. And now it's a Saturday night prime timer. It's going to be cold and snowy in Buffalo, just how you like it against those uh, South Florida Miami Dolphins and against a guy in Tua who lately cannot seem to hit the broad side of a barn. I don't think he's played quite like, I don't think he's played in elements quite like this yet. It's going to be really nasty out there. It's going to be very similar to, I think, what we saw yesterday, perhaps a little bit more snow on the ground. I cannot wait for that game. We're going to dive all into that throughout the end, uh, throughout the, uh, the course of the night. Well, let's talk a little bit more about yesterday because we haven't touched on all that much. We got, Richie's perspective, but let's talk about our perspective. 20 to 12, the final. And it was probably, I know I said this last week about the, the, the Patriots game and how you could probably make this argument for the last handful of games. And if you really wanted to, you could probably make this argument about every single game 
other than the Vikings game post by it was criminally boring. If you were not a Bills fan or a Jets fan, and that's the only game you had at your disposal, say you didn't have red zone. I, I don't know the reason why that would be the only game you'd be watching if you weren't a Bills or a Jets fan. But if it was, I could, I could 100% see that game getting you to fall asleep. Zero to zero with just about 30 seconds left before Dawson Knox got into the end zone. I mean, if you love trenches, if you love defense, then I guess that was the game for you yesterday. If you love exceptional punting, that game was certainly for you yesterday. But for what we've come accustomed to with these Buffalo Bills over the years here, that was not, you know, that was not anything exciting by their standards. And, you know, the Jets have been putting up points in certain games this year, I guess you could say. Not against the Bills in that caliber of defense, but we all, we knew what we were going to expect yesterday. When I saw the Bills were 10-point favorites yesterday, to me, I would never bet against the Bills ever. And I never I never even bet um, for the Bills either. I just I, My golden rule usually is to just avoid betting on the Bills game in general unless I am like over the moon confident about, you know, a game. I, I think the one game I bet this year on Buffalo was the Chiefs game. I just felt super confident about it. But other than that, I, I don't touch it. But if I had to yesterday, I would have 100% on, uh, bet on the Jets plus uh, plus 10. This game, it, it, it was primed to be exactly what you saw yesterday. You have two of the best defenses in the league. The weather was absolutely horrendous. The Jets can't score. And when they do, it's usually methodical and it's very ugly. When they get down the field, kind of like the first drive of the game, they just kind of get down the field slowly and you don't quite know how the hell they got all the way down there. And then maybe they get in the end zone, but they rarely ever do get in the end zone. They got in once yesterday. It's not an easy, it's not an easy thing right now for the jets to put up points, but lately it's not about, it's not really been an easy thing for Buffalo either. The bills have only cracked 30 points or they've only cracked more than 30 points once since the bye. Now, of course, before the bye, they were putting up over 30 points, what felt like, you know, in, in a routine fashion. Um, and the one other time that they did score 30 against the Vikings was a loss. They got 31 against the Browns, but we know how slow that came about. They could barely score in the first half. It's just odd recently the way they've been winning games, but I had shared with you either last week or two weeks ago, my sentiment on this Bills team overall. And that was, I think we can get more accustomed to seeing games like the Patriots game, the game we saw yesterday, the game we saw against the Browns. I think that's more of what you're going to see than what you saw in the beginning of the year. And that's basically been exactly that. And ultimately it does not matter. It just doesn't matter. You look around this league and wild things happen nonstop. It is incredibly difficult to get victories especially at this stage of the season. Everybody's season's on the line. The Jets' season, on the line. New England's season tonight, on the line. The Bills' one-seed chances are on the line every single snap of every single game. And not to mention, you're playing a divisional foe who knows you better than anybody. They already beat you once. The weather's terrible. It's just destined to be that type of game. Now, the weather could be an excuse for yesterday and the way things were. I'm not going to be the one to make that excuse because the weather was pretty much, you know, status quo in the New England game. It was very similar to what we saw yesterday. The weather was non-existent, right, in a dome against the Lions, and we got similar play to what we saw yesterday from the offensive side of things. The first half against the Browns, weather wasn't a problem. There was nothing to be found until they got things going later on in the game. 
The overall point here, though, is the Bills, no matter what they've done as of late, they have found a way no matter what. Whether it be right before the half where they are seemingly the best team in the NFL when it comes to putting up points or right before the end of the game. I don't know what it is about this team, and I see my main man Revan here chatting with all of you, and I bring him up because this is a conversation we've had a few times. I don't know what it is about this Bills team and Josh Allen and Ken Dorsey and this offense, but when they are in a crunch time scenario, whether it's right before the half, right before the end of the game, they might not score every time, but they are sure as hell going to be in a situation to be able to score every single time. I forget the exact graphic and stat they put up yesterday, but I'm almost positive that yesterday, going into that last two minutes to break the tie, 7 nothing going into the half, the Bills had scored 55 points in the final two minutes going into that. So now that would be, what, 62? This, this team is on a whole other level when it comes to absolutely, you know, being against the clock, needing to put up points. And you, you can't, you, you just, you look at the way these games play out, and they just find a way in situations where it matters most. Like we talked about with Richie a little bit ago when he was on. You're tied, right? Zero, zero. You got to get a play that winds up taking you over the top. We're so used to McDermott trying to run that BS fake, right? Get up to the line, try to get you off sides. The creativity there, whether that was Dorsey, McDermott, a combination of both, I'm not sure. That to me, though, that was the play of the game. I cannot stress enough how big that play was, and that was a part of that crunch time final two-minute drive. The Bills do not score at all in the first half if they don't get C.J. Mosley and the Jets' defense to jump off sides. They just don't score. They punt the ball there. No way the Jets are going to go down and score, so you, you got me convinced that you go into the half yesterday tied at 0-0. But that play swung the momentum. You can see Isaiah McKenzie on the, on the side of the screen. He's dancing like crazy. The whole team's going nuts. They put him back on the field. And the last thing you want to do when you're an opponent playing against Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills is give them an additional chance when you already had them backed up against the wall and are getting them off the field. They are going to burn you on that 99% of the time. And yesterday... That really was the difference in the game. The Bills go the length of the field after getting C.J. Mosley to jump off sides. Josh Allen has a terrific run to get them down into the red zone. He hits Dawson Knox uh, on the far side near the sideline, and then Dawson Knox with one of the most highlight reel touchdowns you'll see all year, doing a complete 360 through the air, barely getting the ball over the pylon. Touchdown Buffalo, and they go into the half up 7 nothing. And, you know, at that point, even when it was 0-0 and then it was 7 nothing, and then it was quickly 7-7, to it's just another one of those situations, and I think I've said this a bunch after a lot of these games, where the Bills were either tied or losing, and just the way the, the game was flowing, it never quite felt like they were going to lose. I mean, yesterday, did it really ever feel to you going up against that Jets offense and the way that this defense was playing, did it ever really feel to you like the game was in jeopardy, even though it was close the entire game? And the Bills offense really had nothing going for it. It, it just never felt like they were going to lose it. And I look at this team right now, and they're getting things done that they could not find a way to do last year. They were boomer bust all last year. And I understand it could not be uglier right now from an offensive perspective. 
but it doesn't quite matter. They could not win these one score games last year. They seem to be, they seem to be winning them at will this season. And I understand it's ugly. It's not very fun to watch. It's awfully frustrating at times. It makes you think that they're not very good at times, but then, and this happens to me nonstop, like during the game yesterday, I'm just like, man, this is not good. This is not good. And a lot, a lot of it was not good from the offensive side of things. It wasn't, but you have to take into consideration. This Jets team is not the New York Jets of old. This defense is extraordinarily good. Phenomenally good. The Bills offensive line, it it, it ain't pretty recently. It's just not. Guys are getting burnt nonstop. Deion Dawkins, real rough day yesterday off of his injury and his return Yesterday, I think he had, what, three penalties. Just not a good day for the line yesterday. Not a good day for the line last week. It's just, that's the reality of the situation right now. It just kind of is what it is. But despite the injuries, right, we've had plenty of them, especially on the defensive side of things. Despite the injuries, despite the inept offensive line play at times, despite the fact that this defense has gone topsy-turvy at times from allowing incredible running games, to incredible receiving games. The end result, almost every time out of 13 games, the end result, 10 of those 13 games is a Bills victory. And you look at the way things are panning out right now, and I look across the rest of the league, the dominant play isn't really happening in the AFC. Go across the uh, the other conference. That's where I'm seeing most of the dominant play as of late. You might want to say the Chiefs. The Chiefs were up 27 to nothing yesterday, and they let maybe the worst offense in the league in the Denver Broncos come all the way back. And hell, if if Russell Wilson doesn't get injured and Brett Rippon doesn't have to come in, who knows how that one ends? Chiefs let them all the way back in. The Bengals, they've been playing terrific, but nothing comes easy for them either. Nothing's coming easy for anybody in this AFC. Maybe a couple of weeks ago, you thought the Dolphins were the the, the talk of the town, the cream of the crop, best team, not only in the AFC, maybe one of the best teams in the league. We've found out as as of late here, when you put Tua and this offense on the road and this defense on the road, when you put them up against better opponents, like a Chargers offense who's back to being somewhat healthy, or like last week with the Miami Dolphins, getting their teeth kicked in by the San Francisco 49ers who are probably playing the best football in the entire league right now, or some of it. You're starting to realize a lot of these AFC teams, including the Buffalo bills are very, they're they're very close to earth. Whereas at times we have realized maybe at one, one time or another throughout this season that they were way above everybody else. People have made that argument about almost every one of these top teams in the AFC. They've made the argument For the Bengals, the Dolphins, the Bills earlier on in the year, the Chiefs for a long long period of time throughout most recently here, the last several weeks. What I'm seeing is the reality of this league in the AFC, and that's nothing comes easy. This time of the year is a whole other ball game compared to any other point of the year. When you get into post-Thanksgiving, it is essentially playoff-style football every week. You got teams who are fighting for their lives, fighting for their contracts, their careers, playoff positioning. You got coaches coaching for their jobs. Everything changes. And not only do you have teams like the Jets fighting to get in, but then you got the rest of the conference fighting for positioning within 
the seeding. I mean, things are going to change dramatically. You just watch. They already have been. The way I see it right now, are the Bills playing sound, terrific, lights out football? No. But they're finding a way in a different style, it seems, almost every single week to get it done. And the two losses that they had post by, I know I've beat this horse to death, but it's worth it's worth repeating every time. Both those losses were so marginal, so close, and I, I swear to God, if you replayed them, the Bills win it, I don't know, 90 out of 100 times. That, that, that Vikings game, you replay the end of that game, the Bills win that game 99 times. The, the Vikings got the one out of 100 that just so happened to be that day. And we've seen what the Vikings are when, when you know, Things don't go their way perfectly throughout, right? That game went perfectly for Minnesota at the end. One score loss to the Jets, one score loss to the Vikings, and ever since the Bills have won four straight and not a single one of those games has been one that you'll really remember. I mean, really think about it. The only one of these past four games that I think will stick with me might be the the the, uh, the the Detroit game on Thanksgiving. The only reason is because it was on Thanksgiving and it came all the way down to the, to the last drive where Tyler Bass had to seal it for the Bills in the end. That unbelievable throw to Diggs to get us down there. That's why I'll remember that. In addition, I'll also remember that because as it stands right now, the Detroit Lions have won five of their last six with the only loss being against those Buffalo Bills. And let's be transparent and honest here. The Dolphins, or excuse me, the Lions, they probably should have won that game. I know damn well they think they should have. And if you go back and watch that game, that was a hell of a win for the Bills. And I keep tweeting this out every week. When I watch the Lions just destroy a team, I say, man, I'm telling you what, every single week since that game, that win looks better and better and better. And I'll get replies saying, yeah, but that Vikings loss looks worse and worse and worse. Welcome to the NFL. You were supposed to probably lose that Lions game and you won it. And you were supposed to definitely win that Vikings game and you lost it. To me, that's a wash. That's a wash. 10 and three. And right now in an AFC conference that we thought, you know, was the surefire better conference. I'm not so sure today, really. But nonetheless, in the conference that we thought was the, you know, the toast of the town, the best in the league, your Buffalo Bills sit right on top going into week 15. With every single remaining game, more than winnable, they'll be favored in every one, potentially not the Bengals game. We'll see how things go. But they're still, despite the way they look, one of the best teams in this league. I say that because of their ability to find a way, but I also say that because I watch the rest of this conference and there's nothing right now that blows my mind in comparison to Buffalo. I want to say the Chiefs, but after yesterday's collapse, I'm not so sure. And we've seen the Chiefs have their struggles just like the Bills have. I'm kind of getting to the point now where the rest of this regular season to me just really does not matter. The only reason, I mean, of course it matters in regard to the seeding. I think a bye week for this Bills team in the playoffs 
is would just be so big. It would be huge with the you know with the injuries that they have, the ability to be able to play at home throughout the course of the playoffs. It would be massive. When I say it doesn't quite matter to me, I'm talking from the perspective of trying to find the identity of this Bills team. I don't think I'm going to learn any anything new about this Bills team over these final four games. I'm just not. We saw the sample size we saw before the bye. We've seen what we've seen post bye. I've seen the Bills absolutely dismantle and destroy teams. I've seen the Bills fight tooth and nail to get every single point on the scoreboard and still find a way to win both games. We're not going to learn anything new. I really don't think. Whether they, you know, run the table, lose one or two of them, I'm not entirely sure how it's going to pan out. To me, though, it's just getting to the point now where what we've seen from this Bills team just get me to the playoffs. You remember last season. You know, you remember last season with this Bills team. There were points throughout the season last year when you're sitting at seven and six or whatever it was, and you're saying to yourself, man, you know, where's this team from last year? Where's the AFC championship team? And then we get into the playoffs, and they absolutely backhand New England in a way we've never seen before. Maybe we'll never see again. And then they go and play one of the best offensive performances in the history of the game against the Chiefs and just come up a little bit short in the 13 seconds there. Another situation you'll never see again. So we just don't know. We have no idea. The playoffs is going to be a whole different animal. But all I know is ugly, really exciting, a little bit in the middle. This Bills team is just finding a way every single week. Now, how did they find their way this past week on Sunday against the Jets? It's this defense. Let's talk about it. You might have thought with the injury to Von Miller that this Bills team might falter a bit on the defensive line or maybe on the defensive uh, side of things in general. Von Miller, you know, he might not be making a play every snap. We know this. That's not why the Bills got him. And maybe before the injury, you were saying to yourself, you know, Von Miller isn't dominating the way we thought he would. But we all know that Von Miller was brought onto this team to make a difference. And those one or two plays that you might not think of down the line, but in the middle of that game, you better believe that was all the difference. I circle back to the Chiefs game. Von Miller ended that final drive for the Chiefs that wound up being intercepted by the Bills D from Patrick Mahomes throw. Von Miller all over Mahomes on that final drive. The reason the Bills went out and got Von Miller was for the little things, the final plays, and ultimately the playoffs. That's not going to happen now. We get that. But what have I been preaching all year long about the addition to Von Miller and what it's done for this team? I've barely ever referenced the play of him. I've barely ever referenced how much of a factor he's been to this team based on his play. What I have been pounding the table about time and time again when it comes to Von Miller and him being added to this Bills team, it is what he's added to the culture and to these young guys on the defensive side of things. I cannot overstate enough about how much of an impact I think he has had on the younger personnel on the defensive side of the ball, especially on the line in which Von Miller plays. And I had felt if that was going to be, uh, I had felt that if, Von Miller truly had that impact that I thought that he was making on this D-line, that it would carry over in this current situation where he's not available to play. 
Yesterday, you saw it on full display. Was that not the best game that Greg Rousseau has ever played? And this might be the best year he's ever had. A.J. Epinesa all over the place yesterday. Great game from him. Locked down by that D-line yesterday. In particular, though, Greg Rousseau, who seems to be like the disciple for Von Miller, that's the way I've kind of seen things. I mean, look at him. Von Miller, freak athlete. Groot, freak athlete. Yesterday, from a defensive perspective, Groot won you the game. Groot won you the game yesterday, and that's a guy that we've been waiting to step up and be that guy for a while now. And it makes you wonder, is Greg Rousseau having the year of his, of his career if Von Miller was not added to the Buffalo Bills? And even though Von Miller is not gearing up on Sunday and taking snaps, I still think that Greg Rousseau is having games like he did yesterday because of the addition of Von Miller. I cannot emphasize enough how much I think he has positively impacted the play of this young but incredibly talented high-ceiling type defensive line. And I think yesterday you just saw it on full display. And this defense, despite at times when it's looked like it was getting run over or passed on egregiously, you kind of look back and take things into perspective. And it's just, it's another example that I kind of pin to the offense as well, where it's bend but don't break, not looking unbelievable, but not allowing this team to lose. Yesterday was unbelievable. It was phenomenal, terrific. You can make the same argument against the Patriots, although that game just felt more like New England was inept more than anything. There were, there were spurts yesterday where the Jets looked like they could get something going on offense, but it's just the ability of this defense to either force a turnover or make a play. And I think yesterday you saw the capability of this Bills team in a home environment, right, or in a bad weather situation, or just in a game where they know they're going to have to step up and make a difference because the other defense that they're facing against is just as good, if not better, than theirs. And they know it's not going to come easy for the offense. That was a game yesterday where the Bills defense was either going to have to play as good or better than the Jets defense in order to win that game. Because we all knew what the Bills offense was going up against from the Jets side of things. And that's really what wound up happening yesterday. It's essentially what I said at the top of the show. And that is both defense played terrific. But one team's got an elite quarterback, the other team doesn't. And even though Josh Allen's game yesterday was pretty pedestrian, nothing spectacular. Having him on the field compared to Mike White, like I said, That's a touchdown difference minimum any day of the week. That was the exact difference yesterday. This defense, though, you you just, you truly can't say enough about how terrific they played. And even though there were times, and I I noticed this throughout, and this is happening all the time, and it it just makes me want to put my fist through the wall nonstop, but the third and long conversions that they allow, that is very frustrating. This comes back to the bend but don't break mentality that I keep harping on, though. Like, they'll do that, and you just want to absolutely rip the TV off the wall. But then they'll find a way to correct it, whether it's a turnover or a sack, knocking them out of scoring position. They just always seem to right their own wrong. And then, you know, it's it's even games where you didn't think that they had the best day. 
I know Ed Oliver had a terrific day against the Lions, but maybe you look back on that game and say, you know, well, Amon Ross St. Brown went off and, you know, they still put up 25 and were in position to win that game. Look what the Lions have been doing to everybody else. Look what the Lions have been doing to this whole league recently. I can't believe I'm saying this. But you go back and look at that game and you kind of think to yourself, hey, you know, was that the best performance from the D? I don't know. I know Ed Oliver played great, but maybe, you know, it wasn't anything special. And then you get a little bit more perspective here and you're like, well, you know, it's right back to my point. It was damn good enough to get it done, right? The safety, the, the, the just, just there's little things that don't make sense maybe at the time, but you look back and you're like, well, that was all the difference. And that right now, going into the playoffs on offense and defense is what winds up winning you the championship. It's one or two plays that wind up being the ultimate difference. We know that firsthand. The Chiefs, divisional game. It was one drive, a series of three or four plays that were the ultimate difference in a game where they could not have done anything better on the offensive side of things. You need to make one or two additional plays that the other team doesn't. James coming in, super chat. Whoop, wrong button. Sorry about that, James. James coming in saying, why the F does McDermott not start Elam over Jackson? Dane has looked really bad the past three games or so. This is really pissing me off. Look, I have no clue. I just don't know, and I completely agree with you. As much as I'm you know, singing the praises of this defense right now, and it's hard not to after what we saw them put out on display yesterday. And, you know, by the way, don't get it twisted that the Jets' offense is bad. I mean, it's not great, but they should have scored a hell of a lot more points against the Vikings, and they ran up an absolute bag uh, two weeks ago against whoever the hell they played. Who was the, the the Bears or whatever? And I understand those two defenses are not nearly as good as the Bills, but still, the Jets' offense is capable. As I was talking about with Richie, they do have playmakers. But Dane Jackson is that one guy as of late that it's really hard to kind of defend. I just don't know. I have no clue. Everybody's seeing it. It's no secret. And if it's so obvious to all of us, I there's no way to possibly fathom that it's not obvious to Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott. I do not have the answer for you. I just don't. I don't. I don't think anybody does. I don't know what's going on there. All I know, though, is it seems that as of late, Dane Jackson has been the one player on this Bills D that has allowed whoever he's facing off against to have a terrific day. Garrett Wilson had a great day yesterday. Nobody had a good day for the Patriots, but Garrett Wilson had a good day yesterday. Amon Ross St. Brown had a good day for the Lions. Amari Cooper had a great day for the Browns. Justin Jefferson probably had his greatest game of his season against this Bills D. And Dane Jackson, I have no clue. That to me right now is the biggest thing you circle when it comes to this defense, for sure. They have completely solved the running situation. Remember a time, I don't know, what was it? Maybe a month ago where this Bills D couldn't stop a run play to save their life. Now, nobody can run against them. But it does seem that every week, the opponent has one wide receiver who's going to have a day. I don't have an answer. Every team's got a weakness somewhere. It's really hard to find one with this Bills D at times. That's certainly the weakness right now. And you got to think, you know, looking back at a couple of these games, it did hurt them, in particular, the Vikings game. But you know what? 
With that said, is anybody stopping Justin Jefferson? No. He had 223 yards yesterday. Justin Jefferson did. He's going to get his. The crazy thing is, though, right? You know, as, as good as Garrett Wilson looked at times yesterday, as bad as Dane Jackson looked covering him, 12 points. And it's just, it's like, it's back to my original point of saying it's uglier than hell. At times, it's just super frustrating. But they bend and don't break and find a way. It's awfully weird in hindsight. I got to say, I do miss the high-flying entertaining bills, but I just don't care if it results in a win. And we're getting close enough now to playoffs, right? And in the playoffs, it doesn't matter if you win by a 1,000, or you win by one by the skin of your ass on a safety on the final play or some random BS, some hook and ladder, Stanford band type crap. It doesn't matter. And all I know is right now, no matter their weaknesses, no matter their injuries, no matter if Dane Jackson's getting absolutely toasted, no matter if Josh Allen puts up 147 yards, not even eclipsing six yards per attempt, W. Saturday's going to be interesting. Because as bad as Miami looked last night, as bad as Miami looked two weeks ago, or last week, rather, against uh, San Francisco, they still got two of the best wide receivers in this league. And the way things have gone as of late, at least one of those wide receivers is due to have a hell of a day. Bill's offense is really going to have to show up next week. Let me talk a little bit about that Bill's offense right now. Because there's one thing this Bills offense did yesterday that I don't think enough people are going to highlight, but in reality, that was also one of the main differences in this entire game. It was ugly. Oh, yeah. 16 to 27 for Josh Allen, a buck 47. One touchdown, one on the ground as well. That's the crazy thing, too, about Josh Allen. Even when the numbers aren't great, he still always finds a way to get his. That's for sure. But that's not what I'm getting at. What I'm getting at here is despite the fact that his numbers weren't electric, despite the fact that they couldn't run the ball yesterday to save their life, and once again, after we thought the run game was getting going, Josh Allen leads the way against the Jets. Despite all of that, no turnovers. No turnovers. And what are the games that the Bills have lost throughout this season? It's games where they do not play clean ball. That is something that is not being highlighted enough because it's boring, and when you don't turn the ball over, you don't really talk about it all that much. When Josh Allen's throwing red zone picks, right, it's very memorable. You're going to talk about it. But when they're not turning the ball over, it's not all that memorable. It's not all that exciting, so it kind of gets put on the back burner. But this team is playing clean ball, and that's resulting in Ws. I mean, let's go back and look at it. Turnovers galore the last time they played the Jets. They lost that game. Turnovers galore against the Vikings. They lose that game. And then they turn the ball over against Miami as well. They lost that game. The crazy thing is, you go back and look at all three of those games. All three of them are one-score losses where the Bills had a chance to win in the end. And that what, is that, what does that tell you? What does that tell you? If you go back and erase one or two of the turnovers from either one of those games, 
The Bills have another possession to put points on the board, especially the games where they turn the ball over in the red zone. I think they, I think they turn the ball over every every all three of those games in the red zone. All it takes for this team to win, it seems, is bend but don't break on defense and don't turn the ball over on offense. They're winning every single time. Every single time. And even the games where they are turning the ball over repeatedly, the games where Josh Allen had numerous turnovers, they still were in a position to win the game every time at the end. So what we're realizing here is the method and the formula for this Bills team to win really isn't all that crazy. It really isn't. Despite the fact that it isn't looking all that impressive, they're good enough situationally to get it done. And all that's taking as of late is not turning the ball over and not getting ran over on defense or at least not allowing the opponent into the end zone. And we know that this Bills team is as good as anybody on defense allowing teams to get down the field but not get in the end zone. They're the kings of that. They're the kings of that. And the Jets just so happen to be the kings of not being able to get in the end zone, so that wound up working out quite well. But no matter who the Bills have played this year, that's what they've done. But I just find it interesting that when you go back and look at the three Bills losses, the common denominator is that the Bills shot themselves in the foot every single game. All three of those games, you can highlight a handful of times where this team shot themselves in the foot. And in a game like yesterday, where it's super close, super gross, and it doesn't seem to be clicking, all it takes when you are the better team is to just play a clean game. That's why for so many weeks, you heard me say it, all I was asking for was a consistent 60 minutes of ball where they just played a clean game from start to finish. And sometimes that's not going to, clean doesn't necessarily mean pretty. Clean just means getting in and getting out without destroying your own opportunities to win the game. The Jets did so yesterday, right? Like Richie was saying earlier, an errant fumble, an offsides on a, on a possession where the Bills were going to give the ball back to the Jets, that wound up resulting in points. And look at it. I mean, you go back to the Jets game we lost, the Jets were the ones not making the errors. The Bills were the ones making the errors. 20 points for the Jets was all the difference. Yesterday, it was just a complete role reversal. It was the Bills not making the mistakes, Jets making the mistakes, 20 points gets it done for the Bills. Saw a comment in here I want to touch on because I want to make sure I cover all aspects of things. Matt C saying, Zeba, I love you, my guy, but you're making every excuse to not admit that this team is not playing at a championship level, and I'm getting to that. I want to talk a bit about what Jerry Sullivan said to Josh Allen because that's getting blown up. It's, getting all, it's going all over the place, right? Classic old Jerry, you know, getting into the team's grill and saying things that you just don't typically hear a reporter say to a player, and that, of course, gets a reaction. Now, Josh Allen, he's a he's a pro. There's nobody better at the podium than Josh Allen. Josh Allen, I don't know if it's just his instincts or the PR team over in Buffalo is just world-class. Maybe it's a mixture of both. I think a lot of it just has to do with the person Josh Allen is. Then again, though, you look at this whole Bills team, and nobody gives you a story, and that's the way you want it. I was saying to Jenna Cottrell uh, last week when I was on, um, or Jenna, Jenna Cottrell from 13 Wham, I was saying to her last week when I was on Buffalo late night with her, I said to her, I mean, you know, 
it's got to be boring at times doing your job because this Bills team just doesn't give you a whole lot. But that is what you want. You want the boring team at the podium because boring usually means you're saying and doing the right thing. But Jerry Sullivan, right, he's an old head. He's been there forever, and we know the situation that occurred last year with Micah Hyatt and Jordan Poyer, and and then there was the situation today. So I, I have it pulled up here. We'll watch it real quick, and I'm going to give my thoughts on it. I got two thoughts on it from both perspectives, and I want to shine some light on both ends of things, and it's going to kind of circle back to what Matt C. was saying here about saying, look, you know, Zebot, I get it. I get you're trying to defend him, but, you know, you got to be honest here. No, I'm about to be honest because there's a lot of things that Matt's saying right now that are aligned with how I'm feeling. I got to look at it both ways because, look, at the end of the day, no matter if they're not playing at a championship caliber, there's nobody beating them right now. And you can make that argument for a lot of teams. But that's the way that things go, it seems, every single week. You watch the... You know, you watch the Cowboys against the Vikings a couple weeks ago, and everybody's thinking the Cowboys might all of a sudden be the team to beat in the NFC. They needed a 99 last minute drive, a 99 yard last minute drive yesterday against the Houston Texans. Okay. This league makes no sense. It doesn't. Nothing makes sense. The Jaguars absolutely pissed on the Titans yesterday. Make that make sense. The Chargers have one of the worst pass defenses in the league, missing three starters yesterday. They forced Tua into quite literally the worst quarterback performance I might have seen in, seen in my life. None of it makes sense, and you're never gonna get you're never gonna get the consistent domination or the consistent you know uh, complete opposite of that, right? You're never gonna get consistently do, uh, dominant play from the Bills. You're never gonna get consistent. Um, you know, you're never going to get consistency from teams getting absolutely destroyed every week. It's just something different. But all I know is it that they're, they're winning it right now, man. They're winning. They're winning. And these are games last year they lose. But with all that said, let's take a look at this situation with Josh Allen, Jerry Sullivan. Let's spin it all back into what I'm talking about here. Let me get it up real quick. Oh, good old Jerry. Maybe, maybe this will be the new thing now where it's like, um, where it's like a year to year, uh, a yearly thing where Jerry Sullivan will give us like a a soundbite that we'll all just go nuts over online. Okay. I got it up on Twitter here. Shout out to my guys over at Circling the Wagons podcast. They're a good follow on Twitter. I love Bill's Mafia Twitter so much. I have so much fun on there. Anyway, here it is. We'll, list, we'll, we'll uh, listen to it a few times because it's a quick one. So, Josh Allen, Jerry Sullivan, here we go. If that ain't the story of my life right there, you know. Okay. Josh, on the, <laughs> <laughs> the doctor probably won't get in. I, I go to school here and um, Okay. No, I didn't even I didn't, I didn't even know that they edited that. That's great. They added the scene from old school. This is going off the rails. Let me just let me just talk you through it, because I didn't know this was uh a comedy skit, although shout out the boys at Circle in the Wagons podcast because that's funny. Got that scene uh, from old school there. I love that. All right, whatever. Let me just talk you through it, right? That's what a podcast is. You talk. I'll just talk. All right, Jerry Sullivan. He says to Josh Allen, 
that this offense has not been clicking for like the last six weeks. Josh Allen gives this kind of nothing answer that, you know, diplomatic quarterbacks do. Brady's been doing it his whole career. Any quarterback who knows what he's doing up at the podium, they say a lot without giving you anything. That's what you want. And uh, so, you know, Jerry, Jerry Sullivan says to Josh Allen, look, this, this, this offense isn't clicking a whole lot over the last six weeks. And Josh Allen's response was kind of to the sentiment of what I've been saying for the, excuse me, for the last, I don't know, 20 minutes or so, where he's basically just saying that they're, they're, you know, they're doing enough to get the job done. <laughs> but then good old Jerry, and see, this is where I want to get into my takes on both sides of this, this uh, coin here. Jerry gets into it by saying, not a question, which reporters, the nature of the job is to ask questions. But he gives a definitive statement and says, this offense, you know, the offense that the guy he's speaking to commands and runs, that this offense is not playing at a championship caliber. Now let's break that down. Because as you can see, Josh Allen... Look at you saw his reaction. You know, you can only hide so much and he did a good job because you're in the heat of the moment there. Do you think anybody in that room was expecting that to come out of his mouth? No, including Josh Allen. So he, you know, he laughs it off and says, okay. And we're lucky, you know, here as bills, Bills fans will, we'll get a meme out of that, right? We'll be using that for the end of time. Josh Allen, just laughing and saying, okay, we'll be using that till the end of time. You know, Josh Allen, all of a sudden has become very memeable. We'll use that. We'll use the big hat. You know, Josh Allen, he's a jack, he's a jack of all trades. You know, we're, we're getting a lot out of him. Before I continue, Alton, super chat. What's he saying? I'm calling it now. If Benford comes back by playoff time, he'll be the starter on the opposite side of White for the playoffs. You could be right. We'll get into a little bit more of that later on. Let's keep going on this train of thought because if I go down that path, Alton, you know me, you're going to lose me. Go all over the place. So let's break it down here. Let's talk about where Jerry Sullivan is right in this situation and where Jerry Sullivan is wrong in this situation. Let's talk about where he's wrong. You can't just be spewing out your own personal hot take opinions as a reporter to the player. That's what shows like this are for. Commentary is meant to be done in this type of setting, not when you're sitting in the press room With the player. If that was the reality, could you imagine what sports media would be? If every week you got a reporter in the post-game interviews or whenever they are, if you got reporters in the room spewing out their own personal opinions on how the team's playing. Granted, I'll sign up for that because that to me would be absolutely hilarious and it would be must-see content. But there's a reason it's not that way, and that reason is because it's not professional. And we don't get info from the players. So Jerry definitively says this team is not playing at a championship caliber. What he should have said, in my opinion, and granted, you know, here I am saying this to a guy who's been a reporter for, for, you know, twice as long as I've been alive. But I think this is just pretty much common sense. He should have said, Josh, do you think that this offense is playing at a championship caliber currently? That would have been a fair question. 
this was this was my whole take last year on when he said, you know, are you know, are you embarrassed to Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer? It was the way he said it. You know, context is is everything. That's why social media is the way it is. You can never quite tell how someone means what they say, and then people go off into all these tangents over, uh, you know, a 260-character or less tweet because they can't tell what the hell the person was saying or what they meant to say. That's why using your words is the most efficient way to do that. But when you don't do it the right way, it's never going to be perceived in a good light. And in this particular circumstance, it's very similar to last year with Hyden Poyer. Don't you remember when he was talking to Hyden Poyer and Jerry Sovereign? I can still hear it in my head. Aren't you embarrassed? Like, imagine, you know, imagine. I'm just thinking back to my own. Uh, I'm th- let's, let's even talk about tonight. Let's talk about tonight. You know, imagine like I, I imagine I um, accidentally shit my pants in the middle of this broadcast right now. I just I accidentally just shit myself. <laughs> right. And, I, and, I, and of course, I'm embarrassed. I just shit myself. With, you know, by the time this is up and, and goes on for a week, you know, thousands of people will have seen this, right? A week from now, between all the platforms this is on, thousands of people will have watched this or listened to this, okay? Imagine I just mess my pants right now. And then I walk upstairs, and my dad looks me in the eyes and goes, are you embarrassed? Of course I'm embarrassed. I just shit my pants. Back to that circumstance, if you remember correctly, in that particular game, the way that the defense played was an embarrassing performance. So, yes, of course, they feel embarrassed internally. But asking them that is compounding the issue, and you're being confrontational, and that is going to make the situation bad. Period. There's no other way to put it. This is very similar in this circumstance. When you say to the quarterback of the offense, this offense isn't playing championship caliber. Well, what do you expect him to say back? You're right. You're right. You're right. We suck. But now imagine if you just do this instead. Josh, you know, it just seems like it's been tough getting things going on offense the way that they were going earlier on in the year. 20 points today, 24 last week. Do you feel right now in this moment that your offense is playing championship caliber offense? The demeanor, forming it into a question as opposed to a definitive statement. Josh is going to give you an answer. Whether he likes the question or not is irrelevant. It's a question. You asked it politely. You move on. That's it. So that's where Jerry's wrong in this situation. Where was Jerry right? He might not be wrong. But just because what he said isn't wrong doesn't mean you say it to Josh's face right after the game, especially after you won. It's a lot tougher to make that argument after you win. But who's tougher on themselves in this league than Josh Allen? I mean, we know this. Don't you remember after the Jets game, Josh Allen was basically saying, or maybe it was the Vikings game, I can't remember. Those two blend together to me because they were two losses back-to-back. But don't you remember Josh Allen saying, 
You know, it's tough to win when your quarterback plays like shit. I mean, who says that? Josh Allen does, right? Nobody's tougher on himself than 17. And that's the reason he's as good as he is. That's the reason he's in the position he is today. Because if he wasn't tough on himself, nobody else was going to be. He had to be his own advocate his entire life. From high school to college to the NFL, right? He was doubted the entire time. So who was going to advocate for him but himself? Who else was going to advocate for him but himself? Right? Nobody. And that's why he's as good as he is. Because he's his own toughest critic. So you saying to him, right, the offense isn't playing championship caliber isn't something that he probably already doesn't feel. You don't think Allen looks at his stats and sees a buck 47 through the air, less than six yards per attempt, 20 points. Yeah, I understand he scored two touchdowns, but do you think he cares? By his standards, he knows that that wasn't particularly great on offense. He knows it wasn't particularly great against the Patriots. But what he was saying before they got to that point was that they're doing enough, and he was crediting other areas of the offense. But what Jerry said, despite it being said the way it was, and it shouldn't have been, the overall sentiment, if it was said somewhere else, is something that, you know, is a fair take. And it's one of those things, I think, if you tweeted it out, right, if you said it on Twitter, if you said it on a show like this or sports radio or something, if you said it, it invites criticism because you know how it is. Anytime you criticize this Bills team in any capacity, you're going to have people coming after you just the way it is, especially when the criticism involves anything to do with 17. The reality is, yeah, you know, right now, the Bills are not playing what you would probably consider to be championship offense, right? They're not. Because I think in our mind, and this is back to the point I was talking about a couple of weeks ago, in our mind, championship offense is what they did against the Rams. It's what they did against the Titans. It's what they did against the Steelers. But you want to know what ultimately winds up, winds up resulting in championships? It's winning, right? It's winning. So there's part of me that agrees with the overall sentiment that this team is not playing, quote, championship caliber offense. Because I think the overall meaning of that statement is they're not playing as good as we know they can, and they're not playing as good as we've seen other offenses play throughout the year on offense. Then again, however, I look back to last season, right? Now let's go back and take a look. Because there isn't a soul on the planet, despite losing the game last year to the Chiefs, there's not a soul on the planet who can say the Bills didn't play championship caliber offense last year. And guess what? It didn't result in a championship. Well, I'll be damned, right? I'll be damned. And there were plenty of times throughout the season last year where there wasn't championship caliber offense remotely touching the field for the Buffalo Bills. 10 points against the Patriots in that loss. We all remember that. That wasn't a glorifying day for the Bills on offense, right? Six points against the Jaguars. Anybody remember that game? I know I do. Wouldn't argue that that was particularly championship caliber offense. 16 points to open up the season last year. 
couldn't do a damn thing against the Steelers. That wasn't very championship caliber. And then there was a point in this season, last year, right? 15 points against the Colts, you lose 41 to 15. Was that championship caliber? There was a point in this season last year, right? In the middle of the regular season, where there was no way that you could confidently look in the mirror and say, you know what, this Bills team is championship caliber right now. But this goes back to what I was saying earlier on in the show. Just get me to the playoffs, because that's when everything changes. There were plenty of times throughout this entire season of 2021 where you looked in the mirror and said, man, the Bills just don't got it this year. Last year was fun, right? 13-3, and AFC championship just wasn't good enough compared to the Chiefs, but it was a fun ride. And you got to a certain point last year where you were just like, you know what, man? Like, this is, they're not there. And then the playoffs hit. And they just so happened to pull out probably the two best offensive performances you'll ever see. But here's the crazy thing about all of this. Whether you agree with Jerry or a lot of people who feel this way, and part of me does feel that way. You can't watch that game yesterday and think that anything that the Bills did on offense was championship caliber. We all know that. We all know that, right? But it doesn't matter. Your offense does not need to be championship caliber in week 14 in a, in a snowstorm against the New York Jets in order to prove that you're a championship team. The W's on the, on the left side of the win-loss column is what proves to be a championship team. And despite not playing as high caliber of an offense as we think they're capable of, they're winning games at a championship caliber level. Because if I go and look around this league, they got the second best overall record in the entire league and the best overall record in the AFC. You have no idea what's going to happen in the playoffs. Did anybody think after kind of sleepwalk into a two-score victory against a god-awful Falcons team last year? I mean, I was at that game. Nothing inspiring about that game. There was snow everywhere. It wasn't all that exciting, right? Final game of the year against the Jets. There was nothing, you know, it didn't really matter. The first half against the Bucs. I know they came back and forced overtime. Do you remember the first half of that game? There was an offense to be found. 14-10 to 10 against the Patriots in early December. In early December, I was at that Colts game, okay? That was one of the worst games I have ever seen in my life. It was awful. I'll never forget it, too, because I went with all my college buddies, including a good buddy of mine who's a Colts fan, and it just sucked ass. What I'm getting at is, you know, do you think I left the stadium that day saying, man, you know, this team is going to put on display what we wound up seeing in the playoffs? Do you think I left the stadium in the win bowl game when the Bills lost 14 to 10, do you think I left the stadium against that Patriots team thinking, you know what, that offense that we just watched not be able to even touch points? You think that they're going to put together seven consecutive touchdown drives in the playoffs against this same team? No. So here's what I'm getting at, right? No matter what Jerry says or what I say or what you say or the guy on Twitter says or whatever, the overall thing, that I'm, that I'm pointing to here is what I said earlier. None of this stuff's going to matter. The only reason that these regular season games matter right now is because the one seed to me and obviously to anybody who watches football, it's pivotal. You get home and field, you get home field advantage. That's going to be crucial if you have to play the Chiefs again or anybody for that matter. And a bye week would be a much 
you know, it, it would be it would be just kiss for this Bills team, wouldn't it? You want that one seed. That's why these games matter. And how do you get that one seed? W's. And it's back to what I was saying earlier. This offense is just boring to watch, and it's not fun, and it's gross. But they're doing just enough circumstantially right now, and this defense is doing just enough circumstantially right now that they're getting those victories. And none of this is going to matter what they're doing on offense and defense. It's all out the window when January hits. There's not a soul on the planet who could have predicted the Bills offense was going to put together the two, the two offensive performances they did in the playoffs. You want to know why? Because even if you were the most optimistic, blind optimistic Bills fan, you were never going to think in your wildest dreams that the Bills were going to play two offensive performances that we will never forget that will be coined and talked about as two of the best consecutive offensive performances in the history of the game, really. Josh Allen played two of the best offensive games in the history of the NFL postseason. And there's not a thing you can say about either one of those games from an offensive side that doesn't make you think it was championship caliber. And you know what's crazy? They didn't even make the AFC championship. So the overall point here, the offense doesn't need to be this over this this championship caliber that we have in my mind, in your mind. Because what that is is exactly what I talked to you about a couple of weeks ago when I said we're being too critical. We are expecting this team to light the scoreboard up every week because we saw a ton of it early on. We're expecting Josh Allen to be an alien every snap of every game. And it's just not feasible. All we care about when it comes to, you know, when it comes to the end of the day is a W, man. And they're getting them. And the games they haven't, they were in position to get them. They've played 13 games this year. They've won 10 of them. And the three they lost were by a combined eight points. With a chance to win the game at the end. Every single time. So the offense doesn't need to be this dream scenario that we have in our mind right now. The defense doesn't need to be this dream scenario that we have in our mind right now. Because we've seen time and time again every year, what you do in the regular season doesn't mean shit. You know, ask the 2007 New York Giants who who, who backed into the playoffs with a losing record and beat the undefeated New England Patriots. Ask the Tampa Bay Bucks team with Tom Brady, who could barely win a game to start the year, got hot and destroyed the Chiefs unlike anybody ever has. Ask the Cincinnati Bengals, who shouldn't even have made the playoffs last year, shouldn't have won every playoff game they played, and they somehow were a play away from winning a Super Bowl last year themselves. Ask the L.A. Rams last year, who at times looked completely inept. If they looked sound enough to win the whole thing every single week? The answer is no, and no team ever has. And no team ever will. And that's why I'm saying here, you can think whatever you want, and it's a fair thought. We know what a championship caliber offense looks like. It looks like what we saw against the Rams, the Titans, and the Steelers. We know what it looks like. But what I know is that doesn't ultimately result in a win every single time. It doesn't. 
Because if it did, they would have beat the Chiefs last year, right? That, that You couldn't have played a better game. What more could that offensive have done last year? Nothing. Nothing. It takes a combined effort, doing the right things at the right time, getting lucky breaks perhaps, and making that one or two additional plays that the other team doesn't to get over the hump. And nobody can predict any of that when we get to the, when we get to the postseason. And that's that. And that's why, man, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm stoked for the Final Four here. Final Four games, because I think that they, you know, outside of the, the Bears game, it doesn't really intrigue me all that much. Other than the fact that I think it's really cool the Bills play on, on Christmas Eve. I mean, I love the, the whole holiday tie. But you look at it. That Monday nighter against the Bengals is going to be, it's going to be unbelievable. Bengals are top three right now. It's Chiefs, Bills, Bengals, and the AFC. Order them how you want. Patriots game could mean something at the end. Who knows? Bears game, it's the only if you want. Eh. And then there's this Saturday. Let's get into it, baby. Saturday night prime time football on NFL Network. Here come the Miami Dolphins. Now, let me clear my throat here a little bit. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, number seven. Right now in the playoff picture and could very well be out of the playoffs. Come next week. You absolutely love to see it. I have been on this wave the whole year. You know it. I'm a self-proclaimed Dolphins hater. I can't stand them. Number six, by the way. I'm sorry. They're number six right now. I screwed the whole song up. Damn it. Either way, they're on the back end of the playoffs, uh, the playoff picture right now with a chance to get bumped. And who would have thought? The Miami Dolphins were 8-3 and three not all that long ago, and now they're 8-5 and five with a road trip to the Buffalo Bills on Saturday night primetime in potentially a snowstorm with a quarterback in a dome yesterday in California who couldn't complete more than 10 passes. This Miami Dolphins team, and I told you this, what was this, two weeks ago? I said, go ahead and look at the Buffalo, or excuse me, the Miami Dolphins schedule over the last month when they went on their win streak. Right? Let's go back and take a look at it. Because it was at this time where everybody was wanting to proclaim the Miami Dolphins offense to be the next coming, right? Tua to be the MVP, and ultimately the Dolphins to be a team that could win the AFC East and potentially be a Super Bowl-caliber uh, team. I mean, in fact, you heard Chris Collinsworth last night on the broadcast before the game started saying that he felt that this Miami Dolphins team could win a Super Bowl. And, of course, anybody could. You never know. But that sentiment was based on what we had seen from the Dolphins throughout the last month and a half prior to the 49ers game. So you see the Dolphins, right? They lose to the Vikings, and then they go on to beat the Steelers and the Lions and the Bears and the Browns and the Texans, right? And looking back on it, like the Bills, that Dolphins win or that Lions win was no joke, but that was you know a hard-fought 31-27 to game. But I'm not going to discredit that one. That's a tough win. But you go back and look at it, and the numbers they were putting up, right? 
30 against the Texans, 39 against the Browns, 35 against the Bears. You were wondering if that was going to be sustainable against teams that are considered to be much better. So here comes the San Francisco 49ers, right, last week. Perhaps the best defense in the NFC or one of, with an offense that has been absolutely humming despite who's playing quarterback. Trey Lance, Jimmy Garoppolo, Brock Purdy, me. It doesn't matter. I mean, good God, Brock Purdy yesterday. Did, did he not look just off the charts phenomenal? 35-7, they beat Tom Brady yesterday. And it wasn't much better for the, for the Dolphins against those 49ers last week. 33-17. But I saw excuses all week, you know. Guys weren't getting open for Tua or, you know, Tua just had an off day and whatnot. Okay. Fair. But then you're going up against the Chargers team that is completely decimated on defense. Decimated. Injuries all over the field. Derwin James out, potentially the best safety in the league. And you're thinking, just like everybody else on that Sunday night football panel last night, you're thinking, you know, the Dolphins are going to they're going to win this game. Their offense against crap D's, I mean, come on. You got Tyreek Hill, you got Jalen Waddle, the way Tua's been playing. You're thinking, that's got to be a win for the Dolphins. Yet last night, Tua put together potentially the worst game a quarterback has played all season, or one of them. And if you want to hit me with the, you know, oh, there was a lot worse. You know, did you see, uh, I mean, I don't even know who you want to, did you see, I, I, I got a couple of these today or last night when I was talking about the game on Twitter, I got a, oh, you must not have watched Nate Peterman. Oh, okay. You know, you, you got jokes. I get it. When we're talking about a quarterback that I've been constantly being told should be in the, in the MVP race. This is about as bad as it gets from a quarterback that is supposedly supposed to be in that MVP race. Now, let me stop and just get this out of the way, too, as well, from the Bills' perspective. I don't think Josh Allen should be in the MVP race right now. I don't. I don't. He's not playing MVP quarterback right now. He's just not. Doesn't mean he's not one of the best quarterbacks in the league. But I just think that right now there has been performances throughout this league that have been more deserving of an MVP. So with that said, Tua, who I kept being told, right, he's he's right there. He's right there. He's one of the best in the league. He's just completely done a 180. Brutal game against the Niners last week. And that gets written off because, you know, you look at his numbers and he had like 295. And people try to justify that like they, you know, as best they can. But if you watch that game, the Dolphins had nothing going. They just didn't. And the bulk of those yards came exactly how the bulk of their yards came yesterday. And you'll realize quickly that the, the MVP of this offense and the reason the Dolphins offense has been considered to be as good as it has been, it is Tyreek Hill. You could make an argument for Tyreek Hill being MVP, and I wouldn't be able to dispute it. I mean, when you got a guy who can walk up to a pile, you walk up to a pile, and the ball squirts out, and you just pick it up, and you're gone in two seconds to the end zone. I mean, the dude is insane. And the only other time they scored all game last night was when a Chargers defender fell right on his ass and Tua threw it up for Tyreek to grab and, uh, and get in the end zone. I think that was, what, 60 yards? Tua finished the night last night, 10 of 28 for a buck 45, 
one touchdown for a passer rating of 65. He had 25 yards at half, five yards per attempt, 10 of 28. And it, and it wasn't like they had anything else going either. Raheem Mostert, 11 carries for 37 yards, just over three yards on average. They had absolutely nothing going. Tyreek Hill led the way yesterday with four receptions for 81 yards. And like I just got through saying, 60 of those yards came on one play where the Chargers corner fell down. And the only other touchdown the Dolphins had all game was on one of the biggest fluke plays you will ever see in a football game. An offensive fumble where the ball rolls out of the pile perfectly into Tyreek Hill's hands and he house calls. It's one of the craziest things I've ever seen. Mind you, this was against the Chargers defense who has been getting lit up by just about every team in this entire league. The Las Vegas Raiders, who lost to Baker Mayfield on Thursday night, who had the playbook for seven minutes, put up 27 against this Chargers team the other night and beat them. Chiefs put up 30. Seahawks put up 37. Hell, even the Texans put up 24 on them. Jaguars beat them 38 to 10. Now, I'm not discrediting the Chargers because when they play good, man, they're good. And you know my feelings on them. I love Justin Herbert, and last night was a hell of a fun watch because it came at the expense of the Miami Dolphins. He looked incredible last night. The problem is there's just no consistency from that Chargers team ever. I don't know how much of of it is uh, the fault of Justin Herbert because that team is constantly injured. They're They're never healthy on offense. But you saw last night you had a pretty healthy core on offense. You had Mike Williams back, Keenan Allen, and they got it rolling. So what you saw though last night when we look for when we look towards the Bills playing the Dolphins on Saturday night, what you saw last night is a defense in the LA Chargers who's not even half as good as the Buffalo Bills defense absolutely shut down this Miami Dolphins offense. Hold two out of one of the worst performances a quarterback has had all year. Allow 92 rush yards on 19 attempts. And just flat out dominate an offense really unlike anybody else has all year. I mean, it was it was it was like watching a guy who has never played professional football play professional football. That's what that offense looked like yesterday. And then you flip over to the other side of things. Justin Herbert had his best game of his of his year. 39 of 51. I mean, ultimately, I know it was only, you know, seven yards per attempt, but efficiency was key yesterday. Now they had a tough time scoring. But that's just the Chargers for you, really. They have a tough time doing just about anything. They constantly shoot themselves in the foot. Hell, if you were watching that game last night, they almost allowed the onside kick. They muffed it. And I was watching, and I'm like, you know what, man? I cannot believe they actually recovered it. That would have been the most classic Chargers thing ever, but they fell on it. But anyway, Justin Herbert, 39-51, 367 yards and a touchdown. Mike Williams goes off. He had 116 on six catches. Keenan Allen had 12 catches in this game for 92 yards. So you see this, right? You see an offense in the Chargers who has not been as efficient as the Bills in totality throughout this season. 
You see a defense in the Chargers who's not even close to as good as the Bills' defense. And the ultimate result was a terrific offensive performance statistically from the L.A. Chargers and an absolute dominant performance by the L.A. Chargers on defense. So what does that mean for the Bills coming up? Because a week before that, it wasn't like this was just a one-off. A week before that, the 49ers defense, who we know is legit, the Bills are a lot closer to the 49ers defense than they are the Chargers defense. The 49ers defense gave them the business too. The 49ers offense that has been humming as of late, they put up a 33 spot on these Dolphins. And you got back-to-back weeks now where the Dolphins cannot eclipse 20 points and the other team has two of their best days on offense. I think we're coming to find out that what the Miami Dolphins did in that period in which they were winning games in, in succession had a lot more to do with the opponents they were playing than it did with their actual success. And I also think that a lot of this team and their offensive success, and this isn't discrediting them because it's still a part of their offense, but a lot of that success is just coming from the flat-out playmaking ability of Tyreek Hill, who is going to win Offensive Player of the Year, or at least finish in the top three minimum. This team and their offensive electricity has been completely reliant, it seems, on Tyreek Hill, and then, in addition, Jalen Waddell. But I don't think Tua has been the major difference maker throughout the success that Tyreek Hill and Waddle have had. Because you saw last night, even when Tua has the worst game anybody's had all year, Tyreek Hill is still picking up fumbles and taking it the distance. I'm very confident in this Bills team this coming weekend, which is wild because if you would have talked to me a couple of weeks ago, and this goes back to my point about making any definitive statements about a team at any given time. Because if you were to talk to me a couple of weeks ago, even though I knew in my heart of hearts that the Miami Dolphins were achieving what they were because of the opponents they were playing, I still would have said, "Ah, man, you know, the Dolphins just look better than the Bills right now. I would have said that. But it's amazing how quick things can change. And that's why as ugly as things might seem for the Bills recently, they're still finding a way. And they're not getting the doors blown off of them like we've seen good teams do this year. The Vikings, you know, 10-3, and destroyed by the Eagles, destroyed by the Cowboys. We've seen good teams get dismantled this year. With the Bills, they haven't come close to getting dismantled once. Not even close. As we all know, three losses combined eight points. Dolphins got smacked up against the 49ers, and if the Chargers could just find a way to get their head out of their ass last night, it would have been a lot worse. That game was way worse than a 23-17 to 17 score indicates. You have that BS Tyreek Hill touchdown on the fumble recovery, and then you have the Chargers cornerback falling on his ass for that lob pass to Tyreek to take the distance as well. They got a freebie, and then, you know, a, a blown a blown up coverage for another score. 10 of 28. 10 of 28 for about 25 yards at half or so. So we go into Saturday night. And the Bills can clinch the division if they win on Saturday night. Which is wild. Because it seems like just a blink of an eye ago, I was being told by everybody who wasn't a Bills fan that 
this Miami Dolphins team was going to lap the Bills and win this division. And now, not only does that not seem like it's likely, but this Dolphins team is now fighting for their playoff lives. Eight and three just two weeks ago. Now eight and five. With the Bills on Saturday night, with about seven inches of snow being projected. In Buffalo, where the Bills have only lost one game all year, and it was an absolute just... You know, it was it was the craziest game of the year. It was the Vikings game. And like I keep saying, it's just one of those games where I, I feel like if you replayed it a million times, the Bills win it every time but that one. That's just the, that was that type of game. Everything that could have went wrong at the end went wrong. But you got the Dolphins now who have lost two straight, eight and five. You go into Buffalo, you're staring at eight and six, and then you look at the stretch. You got the Packers. That's no easy task. It's on Christmas. And the and the Packers are playing spoiler at this point. And we've seen they're capable of it. You got the Patriots. That's always going to be a tough one. It's a divisional matchup. And then you got the Jets. And I know Tua didn't play in the previous matchup against the Jets. But the Jets beat them 40-17 to 17 earlier in the year. So... This game coming up here is it's massive for the Miami Dolphins. I think what we're going to see come Saturday night is a better performance than we've seen from the Dolphins the last couple of weeks. But I just don't think it's going to be good enough with the elements that we're expecting to see in Buffalo, the way that they've been playing the last couple of weeks. The Bills' defense, the way they've been playing. I just think that Buffalo right now is is the better team. And I think with the home environment, the weather, the way it's supposed to be, and then you take in all the factors as of late, I like the Bills in that situation. Uh, by the way, I know I, I misspoke here. Bill coming in here saying can't clinch. You are wrong. I, I didn't mean to say the AFC East. I misspoke. The Bills can clinch a playoff spot this week. Um, but you know, I think a couple of different things have to happen or whatever, but that's what I meant to say. The Bills can clinch the playoffs um, this coming week. I know this past weekend, uh, the Vikings were the, or the, excuse me, the Eagles were the first team this year to clinch a playoff spot and the Bills can do so themselves this coming weekend if they beat Miami. Um, I have the, the, um, I'm looking at it right now. I have the, uh, what do you call it? The formula, let's say, for how the Bills can do so. So, let's see. This is a long read. It's over at the Buffalo Rumblings. Yeah, I'm not reading all that. Sorry, I, this is like trying to do the show and then read this at the same time and make sense of it is making my brain feel like it's inside of an oven right now. Um, but what I meant to say, sorry, what I meant to say was the Bills can clinch uh, a playoff spot this coming week. Um, but back to the what I did say when I misspoke saying they can clinch the AFC East. Um, if you beat Miami this weekend, yeah, 
you, you, you might as well pencil in the AFC East because the Bills would what? Have to lose out or come close to it, and then Miami would have to win out. So essentially what you get this week if you win and a couple other things happen, the Bills could clinch a playoff spot. But in addition to that, if the Bills win, you then have a three-game lead on the AFC East, which could be huge. And every win at this point matters more and more and more because you look ahead and you look at that one seed, which is what matters most. I mean, even if the Bills found a way to lose this weekend, I'd still have the utmost confidence and them finishing the season strong enough to be able to win the AFC East. But if you look ahead uh, to the one-seed situation, the Chiefs play the Texans this coming week, so you can absolutely guarantee that they're going to win that game. And, you know, Bills lose, Chiefs win. You're bumped out of the one-seed just like that. So we all know the situation by now, and we all know how big these games are. This game, though, is infinitely bigger in the grand scheme of things for the Miami Dolphins because if they lose this coming game and a couple of other things happen throughout the conference, I forget exactly what, but it's not like it's all that unlikely. They get bumped out of the playoffs. And then you look ahead towards their schedule and they they got, you know, it's it's no easy walk. It's just amazing to me, a Dolphins team that even I, you know, as much as I can't stand the Miami Dolphins, even I would have told you, you know, just two weeks ago, there's no way the Dolphins are missing the playoffs and their offense has been terrific. But man, as of late, it's just not only, I mean, you know, you talk about the Bills and how it hasn't been amazing or it hasn't been all that spectacular, but at least you're getting a consistent level of, of play from the Bills offense where they always seem to find a way in specific situations, whether it's at the end of the game or the you know right before the halftime, they always just seem to find a way in those moments to do enough to wind up pushing them over the top. The Bills have not had days like the Dolphins have had recently where it's just so bad that they lose flat out because of that. The games the Bills have lost is because they've, they've just made too many errors, too many mistakes. It wasn't because they just played so bad on offense that they couldn't score enough or move the ball enough to win. Every one of those games, they did enough to get in position to win it, but they just found a way to either turn it over or turn it over or uh, turn it over. So it's just, it's interesting. It's interesting to watch this all unfold. I knew it was going to start to get a bit crazy, but I just didn't know it was going to get this crazy within the division here. It's fun. It's fun to watch. I'm looking up at the scoreboard now. Got the game over on the TV here. Um, Halftime in the Cardinals and Patriots game. 13-10 Arizona leads. Kyler Murray has been out for the game. Um, that's about it. It's about the score I expected, man. After last week, I don't know how you could ever have confidence in, in this Patriots offense doing enough to score uh, a substantial amount of points required to win a game. That was so bad last week. All I know is one of these teams, right? One of these teams, the Patriots or the Jets, it just seems like one of these guys is going to sneak in. And that, to me, is a really, you know, when I talk about, like, yeah, this is, all, this is all crazy how it's shaking up, that, to me, is one of the more interesting elements um, 
of the uh, of the tail end of the season here. Because I just thought I just thought the, the, the AFC East was going to be so bad this year. I really did. And I think we've all we all thought, you know, even if we didn't think it was going to be as bad as I thought it was going to be. I think even, you know, an optimistic AFC East mindset going into the season, I think even the most optimistic didn't have all of the four teams within the division, like either in at one point or right on the cusp of being in. Um, all right, so I got a couple more questions in here before we wrap up shop tonight. I got a couple more questions in here. I see Donnie coming in. He's saying, uh, do we clinch if we win Saturday night? So not. I, I don't know if it's just a win outright. I got the... Uh, all right, I got an article up here from the official Bills website. So before I end it out here tonight, I'll just go through and read this with you, and then we'll know, all of us collectively together, what needs to happen this coming weekend. All right, so things we already know here, but I'll just put it into existence uh, because there's numbers correlated to the um, situations for each element of the, uh, the playoffs. For the Bills. So the chance to make the playoffs right now, we already all know this, it's 99%. The chance to win the AFC East, as it stands right now, is 80%. And the Dolphins are currently at 15%. And now this one is interesting. This is a fun one. The chance to be the number one seed in the AFC, as it stands right now, is 51%. So we're just a notch over 50%. And the Chiefs are second to be the one seed at 30%. And then this is just on here for fun, I guess, on the Bills website, but don't mind it. Chance to win the Super Bowl. Now, I don't know what the metrics are to drum up this number, but I don't hate it. The chance to win the Super Bowl for the Buffalo Bills, as it stands right now, based on whatever these, me- this, these metrics are to get there, 20%. So apparently, mathematically, as it stands right now, the Bills got a 1-5 in five chance to win the Super Bowl. That's got to be the best odds of my life. That's for sure. Chiefs are in second at 15%. So you're seeing the theme here? Bills, Chiefs. What do you know? All right, so the article goes on to say... Uh, Let's see here. Okay. So th- this was this is recapping. Okay, once again, my mind is baking in the oven. Okay, got it. I think I got it now. Okay. So a Bills win plus a Dolphins loss plus a Patriots loss this current week. So we already have the Bills win. We already have the Dolphins loss. And then we're rooting for a Patriots loss here. Buffalo's odds to win division would improve from 80% to 94% and give Buffalo a two-game lead in the division. Okay, that's interesting. So if the Pats wind up losing tonight, and as I said, they're losing 13-10 to 10 right now at the half. If the Pats go on to lose this game, the Bills' chance to win the AFC East improves from what it currently stands at, which is 80 to 94%. Okay. Now, a Bills win and a Dolphins loss, that already happened, and a Patriots win improves the Bills to 92%. So I guess it doesn't really matter all that much. 
If the Patriots lose, the Bills' odds to win the division go to 94%. The Patriots win, it goes to 92%. That's interesting. But this is for last week, so I don't know why. I mean, what the hell? Jesus, I'm sorry, guys. We've been on here for two hours, and I feel like I'm just like, I'm like, I'm usually good at reading. (laughs) What the hell? Let's go back to the rumblings article. I'm going to go to the Buffalo rumblings article, even though it's long, and we're going to pick, we're going to pick through it together, and then we're going to close up shop. Sound good? All right, good. All right, so this is courtesy of. Mr. Matt Warren over at the Buffalo Rumblings always put out great content. So go check this out afterwards and give it a read. But our good friend Matt Warren over at the uh, Buffalo Rumblings put this piece together. And he starts off by saying the Buffalo Bills are one win away from clinching a spot in the AFC playoffs. Wait, there's no way it's that easy. Folks. I made the uh, I made the very simple, very hard. My good friend Matt Warren put it right in the first sentence. Buffalo Bills can sew up a playoff berth with a win on Saturday night against the Miami Dolphins. That's it. The article, I, it's got a lot of different elements, and I think it's just based on all the possible outcomes. And I looked at that first without reading the first damn sentence. If the Bills beat the Dolphins, playoffs are clinched. Sound good? Sounds good to me, baby. Sounds good to me. And then if the, and then if the Patriots lose tonight, 94% chance to win the East. 92% if they win. James saying I missed a super chat. Let's touch on that real quick before we close the doors. On this edition of the Smoke Break, James, where is it, baby? I'm scrolling, I'm scrolling, I'm scrolling, I'm scrolling. There it is. My bad, James. Thanks for being patient, brother. You're the man. Zebot, what is your take on Dorsey's offensive scheme up till now? I'm concerned with the lack of sticking to the run. Prior two weeks, we look good. I think the consistency of that run game to me has been the head scratcher, right? Because there's been times where, you know, you look at, some of the things the Bills offense has done this year one week and then you take a look at it the next week and it's just not linear and I think we've seen that you know time and time again like last week Bills had a good day on the ground right this past week it's just nowhere to be found I guess it's all circumstantial but it's odd to me the the little itty bitty elements of the run game, right? To me, the biggest indicator is the the James Cook anomaly, where one game, right, he'll get a bunch of carries, and he'll look great, and then the next game, like, they won't even utilize him. That, that to me, is odd. He gets 14 carries against New England for just under five yards a carry, but then against the Jets, he only got four rushing attempts. Against the Browns, this was the best game of his of his young career here in his first season against the Browns. 11 carries for 86 yards, just under eight yards a carry. 
He got two carries against the Lions. So my take isn't doom and gloom like I've seen others or a lot of people seem to be on one side of the fence or the other where they can't stand Dorsey and they just don't like anything about it. And they got others who defend him to the death or whatever. I have no, I really don't have much of a problem with what Dorsey has done this year overall. The one thing that I don't know how much of a problem it is because I don't know how much it's Burnham, but the one thing that I've noticed is, I don't know, I guess it just confuses me at times the utilization of certain personnel. The James Cook one to me is the most obvious just head-scratcher. Like, this, this, is, this is the last four weeks. 11 carries, 86 yards against the Browns. Two carries, four yards against the Lions. 14 carries, 64 yards against the Patriots. Four carries, six yards against the Jets. So you go run heavy with Cook. No runs at all, basically, against the Lions. Run heavy with Cook, Patriots. Essentially, no carries against the Jets. So I guess based on this trend... You can expect to see James Cook have a great day Saturday night against the, the, uh, the, the, the Dolphins. I don't know. That, to me, is the odd thing. And then, you know, you know my thoughts on the Naheem Hines situation. I just don't, I don't know. I just don't get, I don't get it. They brought him in to kick the punt return. I guess that's fine, but I just would like to see him. I'd like to see him try and use him a little bit more is all. I don't know. Long one tonight, baby. I didn't think we were going to go this long, but you know how it goes. We get having the fun. We get having fun. We get talking about championship caliber offense. We get talking about me crapping my pants. And I didn't even know. You never know what you're going to get in the smoke break. I didn't even know I was going to go there. Just kind of came to my mind. I think it made sense. And then you try to crack the code on how the Bills can make the playoffs this coming week just to find out there was no code to crack. Winning your end, baby. That's all that matters. Bills get it done yesterday. Try to do it again this coming week and avenge the wrongs of the AFC East that they started out with. Think about that. You know, you get a W this weekend. That means you knocked off each opponent in the AFC East at least once this year. And the way they started off at 0-2 in the division, that would be great. Um, Saturday night, 8 p.m., prime time against the Dolphins. I cannot wait for it. That is a game I have been excited about since it was, you know, the end of the fourth quarter, the last time they played. This is the one I can't wait for, and it's right here. It's Dolphins Week, baby, so get stoked. And I'll be back with you. Same place, same time, a week from tonight, 8 p.m. Buffalo Fanatics YouTube channel for some more smoke break, and hopefully next Monday night, we're smoking up them Dolphins. We're smoking that Dolphins pack, baby. That's what I'm hoping for. All right, go enjoy the rest of this Cardinals-Patriots game. Go Birds. I'll see you next week, baby. Enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy the Bills, Dolphins. And as always, Go Bills.